Well, we're in the series, uh, leading, leading Like Jesus. Leading Like Jesus. And we've been talking about what leadership is. And here's the deal. Every person in this room is a leader. Whether you know it or not, you are leading somebody. Because at the end of the day, leadership is influence. And if you're influencing somebody, that means you're a leader. Whether you're influencing, influencing people at work, maybe you're a supervisor, you're a manager, or maybe, maybe you're the owner, um, you're a leader. Uh, whether you lead a kid's softball team, you know, you're the dad that's been shoulder tapped to lead it. You didn't sign up for it, but they needed somebody, and, and you said, okay. Reluctantly, you said, okay. And you're leading, you know, a softball team or a baseball team or a soccer team. Uh, uh, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. You've got little kids running around the house. You have influence. You're a leader. You're a leader. Every person in here, you're leading somebody. Whether you're a student or whether you're retired, you have influence over somebody. And because of that, you're a leader. And we want to lead like Jesus. A couple of things that we've learned so far, we'll talk about the, the aspect of serving. To lead like Jesus, you know, you have to be willing to serve like Jesus. You have to be willing to serve like him. Leadership has a price. We talk about that price. There's a cost to leadership. But if you're willing to pay the cost, you know, the rewards comes after it. And we see that with Jesus. He was willing to lay down his life so that we could be blessed through him with salvation. And so we are leading like Jesus. Last week, we talked about habits, having some healthy habits in our lives to help carry the load of leadership. And, uh, and so last week we looked at two habits, and today we want to talk about two more habits. And next Sunday we're going to talk about the legacy of leadership. And we're going to be kind of wrapping up the series next Sunday. But we're going to talk about habits. Talk about two habits last week, two more habits today. I am... Um, I was doing a devotion this past week and, and used this story, and, uh, and I think it's interesting, and I'd like to share it with you. In 1970, the U.S. government produced a Peace Corps manual, and all kinds of random facts and important things you need to know if you're part of the Peace Corps. In 1970, it's 50 years old, there was a page, a section in there about uh, about how to handle an, an anaconda attack. What to do when you come across an anaconda in the Amazon. And I don't know if you know about anaconda, but they're the largest snake in the world, 35 to 40 feet long. They can eat up to 300 to 500 pounds at one time. And so they gave us 10 steps and what to do if you come across the anaconda. Number one, are y'all ready for this? This is gold. This might be the most important thing you hear all day. Number one, if you're attacked by an anaconda, 
Don't run. The snake is faster than you are. That's number one. Y'all with me so far? Number two, you lie flat on the ground. You put your arm tight against your side and your leg tight against each other. Number three, tuck in your chin. All right, so you're in the Amazon and you see the 35-foot anaconda snake coming down. You're supposed to stop, lie down, arms on the side, chin down. Y'all with me? All right, good. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like snake bait. <laughs> Number four, the snake will begin to nudge and climb over your body. Number five, do not panic. <laughs> I mean, who writes this stuff, right? Number six, after the snake had checked you out, it will begin to swallow you from the feet in. Always from the feet in. Permit the snake to swallow your feet and ankles. Do not panic. <laughs> Number seven. The snake will begin to suck your legs into its body. You must lie perfectly still. This will take a long time. Number eight. When the snake has reached your knees, slowly and with as little movement as possible, reach down to get your knife, and then very gently just slide it into the snake's mouth between the edge of its mouth and your leg, and you suddenly rip it up upward. You're just gonna sever its head. That's number eight. There's two more steps, by the way. <laughs> number nine. Be sure to have your knife. <laughs> uh, number 10. Be sure your knife is sharp. <laughs> Can you imagine being there in that moment, remembering, oh man, my knife is in my boot. <laughs> Bad day then. Well, you know, I think about leadership. And I think about sometimes leadership can be tough in the moment. Sometimes you can feel like you're being swallowed up. The pressure from all around. That's why you have to have some habits. That's why the habits are so important because it helps you win the day to be the best at all that God has made you to be. If you missed last week, the first two points of habit, the first two habits to take on is that exceptional leaders model humility. We see that in the life of Jesus. He modeled it. He modeled humility. He, he stepped down and washed the disciples' feet. Filthy, nasty feet. And of course, Peter's like, oh, don't you dare touch my feet. And Jesus, you know, convinced him, no, I'm supposed to wash your feet. And he did that. He served. He served. He was hum humbled. He humbled himself. In fact, he humbled himself on that day um, when John the Baptist was baptizing people. And here comes Jesus, and, and John the Baptist said, oh, here's the man. Here's the one that can come and be the Lamb of God. It's the Lamb, uh, you know, that's going to 
that's going to die for the sins of the world. And he kind of points him out. And then Jesus comes to him in a spontaneous way and says, hey, I want to get baptized. By the way, if you think about spontaneous baptism, Jesus did a spontaneous baptism. And he modeled it in humility. He humbled himself and set an example of what that looked like when he got baptized and led an example for us to follow after him. Exceptional leaders model humility. Exceptional leaders, number two, they learn how to handle criticism. How to handle criticism. And we see in the life of Jesus, sometimes he responded to it. Other times, he dismissed it. And he knew how to deal with it. He knew how to deal with it. And exceptional leaders, they learn how to handle criticism. Now, today, let's pick up on the third habit, if you're taking notes. Exceptional leaders, they take time to recharge. They take time to recharge. That's an important habit. Why is it so important? Because leadership, right, it's draining. Leadership is tough. It's hard. Again, it doesn't matter if you're a manager, manager or supervisor or you're a stay-at-home mom. It is draining. It is not easy. It is tough. And from time to time, you have to take time to recharge. We see this in the life of Jesus. Mark chapter 6, verse 31. The Bible said, because so many people were coming and going that they, the disciples, did not even have a chance to eat. I mean, that's pretty busy. They're pretty busy if you don't have time to eat. And then Jesus said to the disciples, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. You see, the disciples have been ministering all day, and they're tired, they're worn out. And Jesus looked at the disciples and said, hey, guys, let's take a break. Let's take some time off. I love what the King James Version says. It said, that, it, it said it like this. Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Come ye yourselves apart. And see, if you don't come apart to rest from time to time, you're going to come apart. You're going to fall apart. See, rest and recreation it's never a waste of time. And sometimes leaders, we feel guilty for taking time off. We feel guilty for, you know, for taking a break. But it's never a waste of time. It's important. It's so important that God put them in the Ten Commandments. In fact, it's the fourth command. The fourth command that says, remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. In other words, every seventh day, take a day off. Take a day off. God wired you, God wired me to be on a six-day cycle. He says, I want you to work six days, and on the seventh day, take a day off. It's interesting to me that God put this command right up in there with the commandments, don't commit murder and don't commit adultery. See, you would never think of murdering anybody. Uh, you would never think of committing adultery, but guess what? We violate the fourth command all the time, and so do I. 
You see, I love how Jesus modeled this in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He was hated and despised by the Jewish people. They were considered the mafia back then. You know, they always kind of skim off the top, you know, and send the rest to the governor. They were, they were charged more on the taxes, take a little off the top, and send it rest to the Roman Empire. That's how they were. There was no known secret that these guys were sneaky, you know, these guys were criminal in some ways. And, uh, and Matthew was a tax collector. Jesus showed him, tap him, and said, I want you to be my disciple, follow me. And Matthew left the table and followed after Jesus. And the Bible said that Matthew wanted to throw a party. He wanted to invite all his lost buddies to a party and invited Jesus to the party. The Pharisees and the religious leaders, they all accused Jesus of being a party animal. Because I can't believe you're hanging out with the sinners and the tax collectors. They accused Jesus of going to parties all the time. Why? Because Jesus, he knew that life was meant to be enjoyed and not endured. And as a leader, you're going to carry the load of your leadership. That doesn't mean that you walk around all the time upset and mad and frowning, discouraged. You're to enjoy life as a leader. You're not to just endure it. You know, take time to recharge, just like Jesus did. We see the rhythm of Jesus. He served, and he was pulled back. He served, and then he pulled back. Now, years ago, I learned a little formula, and I believe this is the key for us to carry in, to carry in the weight of leadership and, and get a recharge. It's a very simple formula. Maybe you've heard something similar to this, but it goes like this. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. Real simple. Divert daily, every day, do something fun. I don't care what it is, just do something. Get a hobby, maybe it's a play an instrument, piano, maybe it's a paint. Maybe go shoot some hoops, go work out, you know, go work in your garden, go work out, wrestle with your kids, whatever relaxes you. Read a book, do a puzzle, but you do something every day where you can, where you can divert on a daily basis. Whatever relaxes you, different things relax different people. But you need to have a little bit of fun every day. Got to build that in. Withdraw weekly, every week. Have to take a day off. Take it. Take that time off. Relax. Restore. Abandon annually. Go away. Go away and just forget the whole thing. Whatever that looks like. Now, this afternoon, I'm going to hop on a plane about 4 o'clock. I've already packed up. I've already drove separately. I'll be leaving the third service and headed to the airport. And... And I'm going down there in, uh, to Nashville, Nash Vegas. I call it Nash Vegas, all right? <laughs> go down there and, and I go into a conference for the next two or three days. 
usually go to the every year. Didn't go last year because of the pandemic was canceled. But every year I, I go, and uh, I think the Dave Crowder band, David Crowder band playing tonight, Tony Evans, I'll be giving some preaching. And I'm looking forward to some spiritual renewal where I can go and withdraw for a few days and I look for some good barbecue. I always look for good barbecue when I'm in these places or good eating, you know, southern food, and, um, and, and go and recharge. They do that for a few days. Our family vacation, we got family vacation coming up. It's important for us to take time away to recharge, to do that with yourself personally, to do that with your, with your spouse, to do that with your family from time to time. You know what we do sometimes when we get away? We sometimes bring our work. We, we, you know, so when you're vacation, vacation. Don't bring your work with you. Vacation. And take the time off. So here's what I want you to do this week. All right? Here's your, here's your homework assignment. It's easy. It's spiritual, though. Very spiritual. For every one of us here. I want you to go out this week. I want you to practice some creative loafing. All right? You're going to do some creative loafing. Here, here's what I've learned. It's better to have loafed and lost than to have never loafed at all. <laughs> all right. So, that hard. I hope you do that this week. Creative loafing, make that happen. It's important. It's important. And exceptional leaders, they do this. Jesus did it. If it's important for Jesus, it should be important for all of us here. Number four, here's the fourth habit. Exceptional leaders, let God lead them. This is the most important habit right here. You let God lead your life. If you're going to be a leader, you're going to be around people because that's what leading does, right? You can't lead without being around people, but you also need time away from people and have time alone with God. I love the quote. You see this on your handout. The leader who advances in the future is the one who retreats to God's word. Jesus was clearly busy. We see the busyness of Jesus. But no matter how busy he got, he always took time to get along with God. We see an example of this in Luke chapter 5. Verse 15, the news about him spread all the more. Jesus' fame became popular. The paparazzi started to come out, Right? The crowd of people came to hear him to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You know, I, I see this, and you see in verse 15, Jesus had every reason to just stay busy. It never stopped. There was always a miracle to be performed. There was always a teaching to be taught. But at some point, Jesus understood the idea that he had to stop and spend time with his father, with God. Psalm 46, verse 10, God said that we are to be still and to know that I am God. You can't know God unless you're still. Somebody once said this, all of man's problems come from his inability to sit still. You need time to get alone 
be quiet and hear God's voice. It's a challenge. Just sit still. Not easy. You do good for about one minute. And then your mind starts to race. You start to think about the things that's not getting done. You start thinking about your to-do list. You start thinking about this and this and that when you're supposed to just sit still and listen to God. And that's what great leaders do. They let God lead them. They listen for God's voice. They don't get ahead of God. They want God to lead the way. Several times a week, I'll pray a three-word prayer. It's often in the middle of the day. I'll stop and I'll pray this three-word prayer. I'll say, Lord, what's next? And that's all I say. Lord, what's next? And I'll sit. I'll sit for a few minutes. And I want God to speak. Sometimes it's an inspiration, an idea that'll pop in my mind. God begins to speak into my heart. Sometimes it's nothing. If it's nothing, if I don't hear nothing, I just continue to go on my regular scheduled day. But I'm giving God the opportunity to rearrange my schedule. God, what next? Listen, as leaders, we need to ask God what next. You need to get down on your knees and say, Lord, what's next in my family? Lord, what's next in my business? God, what's next in my church? God, what's next in my ministry that I'm serving? Oh, God, what's next in my small group? God, what's next in the relationship that I'm in? God, what's next? What's next? Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. Said, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Not on your idea, not on what you think is best. Built your lives on him. Then he said, then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, the word of God, and you will overflow 
with thankfulness. I mean, this is the foundation of good leadership. This is where you say, God, I want, to, I want you to lead my life. I want to be still and know that you are God. See, at the end of the day, see, my friend, you can't lead like Jesus until you know Jesus personally. You can't lead unless you're not connected to the source, to Jesus. The single greatest source of stress in your life is when you're disconnected from God. Anytime I get disconnected from God, it's always just warning sign. It's called stress. The stress is telling me that I am disconnected on God, that I am focusing on myself. I'm worried about my own deal. Stress is the sign that says, hello, you're out of contact with God right now. You're not connected to the spirit right now. You're not connected to the source. You see, when I get disconnected, I get angry. I get short-tempered, ill-tempered. When I get disconnected from God, I can live in fear and worry and shame and guilt, loneliness and bitterness. All those things happen when I'm disconnected from God. And you don't want to be around a leader that's not connected to God. You can't lead like Jesus. Until you know Jesus personally. Maybe you're here today. You don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him. Some of you have never been connected with God. And here's the deal. There is a God in heaven. There is a God of the universe who loves you. Who desperately wants to connect with you. Who wants to meet you where you're at. I love that. We don't have to meet him there. He thought he'd come down. See, he's coming to your mess, into your brokenness, and wants to restore the broken pieces of your lives. He wants you to be the man. He wants you to be the woman. He wants you to be the teenager, the child. He wants to make you who he wants you to be. You got to get connected to him. Some of you today, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. Never met him. And today, you can do that. Today, you can connect with him right where you're at in your chair. You can ask Jesus to come in your life. You can be connected to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today. He loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. He died, was buried, and rose again. And because of that, we have that living hope that we're going to sing about in a few minutes. We have living hope because what he did for us on the cross. All your failures, all your sin, all your shame, he's forgiven you. All you have to do 
ask him to come into your life, to forgive you. And he's waiting. He's knocking on the door of your heart. He wants you to let him in. The ball's in your court to get connected to him. Maybe you're here today, you are a Christian, but you have drifted from God. You haven't been spending time in God's word. You haven't allowed him to lead your life. You haven't prayed. You haven't sat still to ask God, what's next? God, what's next to my family? What's next to my business? What's next to my church? God, what's next? Or maybe that's your next step today to get back, plug in, and connect it to God because you're allowing the stress of the world to just get to you. And you're being swallowed up. And you feel trapped. It's because you're not allowing God to lead your life. Choice is choice. I pray today that you will apply these habits. The model humility. To handle criticism. To, to, to take time to recharge. And to let God lead your life. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of your word and how Jesus modeled leadership in our lives. God, we ask you to help us today. Help us to take the next step that we need to take, whatever that might be. Maybe for some of us, we need to take the next step where we recharge, where we get away, to recharge our batteries. Whether it's weekly, whether it's monthly, whether it's every day, whether it's once a year, God, help us to do what we need to do. Maybe for some of us, we're Christians, but we've just uh, been disconnected. We've been busy with other stuff, and we've not been taking the time to spend time with you. We've not spent time on your Word. Maybe their next step today is to get back into the Word of God. Maybe today their next step is to be still and to know that you are God. Perhaps God has come here to have a next step, but they didn't know Jesus. They've never been connected to the King of the universe, the Lord of Lords. And today, your next step is to cry out to you, to cry out to you in our mess, to cry out to you in our broken pieces, and ask you to come into their lives. As I'm praying, maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, Scott, you're talking to me. I've never been connected to God. Never asked Jesus to come to my life. Never done that. I've never asked for forgiveness. In fact, I never thought I could because I've, my life is so messed up. Why would God want to connect with me? My friend, God loves you so much. You matter to Him. You matter so much to Him that He sent his son Jesus to die for you. And if you're here, you never ask Jesus to come in your life. Be your Lord and Savior. The Bible says all you have to do is cry out to the Lord. Ask him to come in. I said a few minutes ago that he's knocking on the door of your heart. You simply have to open the door and let him in. He said, well, my house is a mess. That's okay. 
He'll come in and clean it from the inside out. You let him in your life now. Don't wait till you get cleaned up because you'll never get there. That's why he's here. To clean up our broken pieces. To clean up our mess. You pray a prayer that goes like this. The Bible says that you cry out to him. You can pray a prayer like this in the quietness of your heart. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. And today I'm asking you to come to my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. Today I want to connect with you. Come to my life. Forgive me of my sins. Take me to heaven when I die. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins and all my mess. Thank you. No, no one's looking around. I close. He says, God, I pray that prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you stand up in your chair or anything. I just want to see who you are. You said, God, I pray that prayer. I ask Jesus to come to my life. And today I made that decision to be conducted to God. If that's you, will you raise your hand? We had a couple that raised your hand this morning. Are there anybody like that in this church? I'm not afraid, I'm not ashamed. Anybody like that? I see one hand over here. Good. Anybody else? God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. God, I pray you ask your blessing. We ask for your blessing on the baptism and for those who obey that decision to follow after you. In Jesus' name. Just a minute, we're going to stand up. But when we stand, if you're like, man, God, what's next? I need to take that next step and get baptized. We're ready for you.